Life rarely comes full circle with such a satisfying click as it does with today's guest on Why Dance Matters, the Royal Academy of Dance podcast. I'm David Jays, and I'm excited and curious to be meeting Francesca Harper, who last year became Artistic Director of Ailey 2 in New York after having started her training at the Alvin Ailey School. That launched an astonishingly varied journey through classical and contemporary dance, with Dance Theatre of Harlem and notably as a principal dancer with William Forsyth's Ballet Frankfurt and as a choreographer herself. But Francesca has also worked in music and in theatre and on Broadway. It isn't quite everything, everywhere, all at once. But it is a lot of inspirations and influences and interesting paths taken. Now, Francesca is back where it all began, especially as her mother, Denise Jefferson, was the director of the Alvin Ailey School for over 25 years. I wonder how it feels to return to a company she first knew as a very young person, but now with the responsibility of mentoring dozens of young dancers herself. Ailey 2 is the junior company of Alvin Ailey American Dance Theatre, fostering new generations of shining talent. They're producing ambitious new work and preparing for an extensive UK tour later this year. Dance isn't always great at nurturing its young, especially women and artists of colour. I'm longing to hear what has sustained Francesca and what lessons she hopes to pass on to her young dancers and why dance matters to her. Francesca, welcome to Why Dance Matters. It's such a pleasure and belated congratulations. It's a year old, but nonetheless, congratulations on thank becoming you. artistic director of Ailey 2. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> it is a dream come true and a homecoming for me. I was going to say, your mother, Denise Jefferson, was director of the Ailey School for many years. How does it feel to come back into the fold. Well, you know what's interesting? At first, it was a little bittersweet. You know, she passed of cancer in 2010. And so there was a period of time that I, you know, I had a very challenging time walking into the building just because my grief was so profound. But over time, I think it started to dissipate and I felt more comfortable. Ailey kept pulling me back. I approached Ailey and just, I was teaching maybe two classes a week there and occasionally doing some choreography, but Ailey for me has always provided that sense of safety. So even with it being painful to walk in, eventually it became healing for me. And what was interesting is that when someone reached out to me and asked if you know, I'd be interested in applying for this job. And something in my heart just sang. And I thought, hmm, 
it really felt like it was calling me. Yeah, for me, it feels like it was alignment, ultimately. Oh, perfect. And Alvin Ailey, of course, one of the pillars of modern American dance. What are your memories of him? Oh, my goodness. I mean, Alvin was a mensch, as we say, <laughs> in New York. He really was. I remember Alvin in his socks, you know, he was so, <laughs> he was just in the work. Yeah, that's who he was. You know, he was very, very accessible, very relatable. He would walk around again, as I said, in his socks, come into the student lounge. We had a student lounge. My most vivid memories are on 45th Street at the Minskoff. That's where I really had most of my training and experience with him. And he would just come in. He asked us how our grades were going. He was really invested, even in the children. You know, I think Alvin had such a wide purview and such a wide vision. And I remember there were children's performances on Saturday, and Alvin would be there running around with the children in the studio for these studio performances, talking about them really being the foundation of ALA. And he was very much aware of this cyclical relationship and legacy that he was leaving. You know, I just have the fondest, warmest memories. There was one anecdote I have to share with you. I remember he came into the student lounge and I, of course, as a dancer, was always constantly worried about my physical attributes or the things that were wrong. And he said, well, how are you, Francesca? I said, oh, my feet are just so big. And he said, well, Francesca, the better to balance on. There and I thought go. that that was that's just so <laughs> indicative, right? Yeah, always finding right how he could support us and make us feel empowered. So I thought that was such a, a funny moment. I never forgot it. And it does feel to me from the outside as if even more than with most dance companies, his ethos, his spirit, his character pervades the company even today, that it's still something that's very present. Absolutely. I really do believe that the essence of Alvin is still very much alive. And that essence is really the fact that he gave voice to minorities, especially, and diverse, a diverse community, really centering the African-American experience. You know, he invited, there was an invitation for everyone to come in, but really it was one of the places that he, like I said, even in my story, you know, he wanted to provide a, a space for us, uh, underrepresented people, to feel full and empowered and fully expressive. So that, for me, was just what felt so liberating about growing up at Ailey, is the fact that I could be fully expressive, which I didn't feel in other rooms in the world. I must ask you about your childhood, Francesca, because we've already mentioned your mother, Denise, and also your aunt is Margot Jefferson, <laughs> who people will know as a writer, a cultural <laughs> critic. Were, were the arts everywhere? I love everywhere? it. This is one of the first times people mention Margot. That's a, I love it. Oh, yes. really? Oh, she's, uh, I yes. mean, she's amazing, isn't she? Yes. So, well, yes, you she know. is. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but d d were the arts everywhere in your childhood? Was that just part of everyday life? Oh, yes. I think it's so interesting. My mother moved to New York City 
And then my aunt moved a few years later. My mom came, was very clear about pursuing her dreams as a dancer. When she was around 11 or 12, she really fell in love with ballet. And there was a teacher, Edna McCray in Chicago, who really told her she would have to work harder because she was African-American and there were no ballerinas of color at the time. So she quit dancing and then found it again in college studying with Donald McHale. And that was it for my mother. And my mother was this ferocious Scorpio. So when she decided, <laughs> when she decided to pursue something, that was it. So she came to New York and that ferocity aligned with Martha Graham and Martha Graham's voice that I think had a very much a feminist foundation. And so my mom got a scholarship at the Graham School and came here. And that was just it for her. And she decided to live here in New York. And my aunt moved three blocks away from her. So I grew up with Margot on 12th Street and my mother on 16th Street. It was just wonderful. You know, we would go to Margot's house and we would talk about art and talk about books. Margot was actually studying to be a concert pianist, concert pianist, and then acting. And they grew up with musical theater. So she would play songs. And that's how they got me started is playing songs and singing with Margot and I mean, I called my mother the Lucille Ball of the family. So it was just like, constant, it was just constant comedy and joy. And my uh-huh. grandmother loved movies. So we were always like watching these old Betty Davis and, and Catherine Hepburn movie. And it was just so, you know, the arts were constantly being revered and celebrated in our family. Oh, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Yes, I know. Yeah, I mean, I think that they really taught me about imagination. That was something I really loved, very much encouraging my dreams and really this, but also practical because I think they were so well-educated. There was always this, okay, yes, go for your dreams, but make sure you have the studies and the craftsmanship behind the dreams. So that helped me think more long-term in terms of even when I started doing Broadway work, I really started to study singing seriously and acting and didn't just expect that I would be a star, you know, out of of the thin air. But so, I mean, so that was really wonderful that they encouraged me to really put in the work with the arts as well. Mm -hmm. But I guess when when you started your career, even a generation on from your mother, there were still quite limited opportunities for dancers Mm -hmm. of colour, even more than there are today, and things are not good today. What What was the dream for you? What was it that you wanted to do? Well, actually, what's interesting, because of that story I shared with you, with my mom being discouraged from pursuing ballet, While I was also growing up at the Ailey School, I decided to pursue ballet. My father was also a civil rights lawyer. So I think that her story and really being able to kind of break the glass ceiling when it came to pursuing ballet became my dream as well. How I fell in love with ballet was the fact that it allowed me space, you know, with the classical music and Chopin. And for me to be, you know, an African-American, a young girl in New York City, which was very intense and very competitive, you know, it was wonderful to go to the studio and just be able to be vulnerable. 
which is not the reality of what I experienced in terms of having to work, you know, 10 times harder so, <laughs> in, in the world, you know, so, so to have these moments of being soft and introspective and reflective and delicate even for me became so beautiful and almost a recluse for me in, in certain ways, you know, or a space that I was able to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I think I fell in love with ballet. I have a f- another funny anecdote. I, I was studying at ALA during the summers and during the year I was at School of American Ballet and the Joffrey Ballet School ultimately ended up studying with another woman, Darvash, Gabriella Tubb Darvash and Barbara Walzak, who really trained me in my formative years before my professional work. I remember auditioning for the Ailey Company. I think it was my high school, senior year in high school. And I went in my D-shanked point shoes to the Alvin Ailey Company audition. Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. If that wasn't a sign, right? (laughs) So I went to the audition and then Alvin, because I had grown up and he had known me since I was around two, he brought me into his office afterwards. And you're going to, this is the kicker. So he said to me, you listen, Francesca, you have a place in our second company, but I really think you want to pursue ballet. And I want to encourage you to go out there because we need more African-American trailblazers in the ballet world. But know that you always have a place and a home here to come back to. So I went out, I got a job at Dance Theater Harlem the next week. I stayed with them for three years, then went on to the Frankfurt Ballet with William Forsyth, who became really one of my mentors and opened up my mind, you know, in terms of choreography and even contemporary languages. Then I came back to Ailey. But ironically, you know, even when I moved to Europe, I remember I came back to Ailey every summer. I started choreographing on the Ailey School, and then I started choreographing on the second company. So even though I was there for eight years, every summer, I had just found my way back to Ailey. That's where I started choreographing. And Sylvia Waters, who was the director of the Ailey Second Company, gave me one of my first commissions. And so I choreographed two works on the second company and then got to choreograph on the main company. And then I decided to come back to New York after that. And I stayed connected with Ailey after that. Myself and Robert Battle were two of the young choreographers that Sylvia really gave us our start. Wow. It's a, clearly a, a company that when it gets its hooks into you, they, they stay <laughs> <Yes>. there. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. It's an addiction, so to speak. A, lo- a love addiction. Right? Yes. It is. It is. It's what it feels like. It yeah. really does. Yeah. I must ask you about William Forsyth because our season of the podcast uh, a few weeks ago began with Tyler Peck, who was talking about having wanted to work with Forsyth for ever and ever and only got her chance in lockdown uh, on a Zoom project. That's but, right, the bar project. The bar, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But and, yeah. you know, that was her first taste of it. I mean, he's makes brainy and... Mm-hmm. astonishing mm-hmm. and unexpected dance that just expands the form. What's it like being in the room with him? Oh, 
I mean, it's <laughs> stimulating, stimulating, incredibly stimulating. I think for me, it's interesting when I make these connections talking to you, because I had grown up with my aunt and Margot, which, you know, an education and kind of intellectual rigor was really encouraged in our family. I felt at home with Bill in the same way. There was a real intellectual discourse around the work we did and a risk taking that I thought, like you said, it was unexpected. We didn't know what to expect with each premiere and we had to just be very fluid and very open and go with it. I remember there was one premiere, it was called Alien Action. And I remember my friend, he had created all these ballet variations and they were really these funky ballet variations and Tom Billum's music. And I was just wanting to do one of those variations. And all of a sudden, Bill asks me to put on a microphone and he says, Francesca, go out and improvise to the sound of your breath. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and I remember being a little like discouraged. What is this? What does this mean? And my friend, Alan Barnes, he said, Francesca, you better go out there and try this. He's like, he's making a role for you. He's making something special for you. And I thought, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way, right? I wanted to kind of acclimate and, and, and fit in with the other works that they were doing. So I went out and my, with the encouragement of my friends. And also I think my Ailey training, you know, with my modern dance really served me with Bill because he went from being more focused on ballet vocabulary to being more theatrical and being more dance theater oriented and more contemporary oriented. So that moment for me in Alien Action became a real defining moment is when I started really working with him closely. Dare I say, like, I guess there were a few of us that were really, that he would entrust very personal moments to, I would say. So that was my moment, just experimenting and improvising to the sound of my breath. And it was one of the most fun sections. It was the second section in Alien Action. And it was really the breakout performance of my friend Jacopo Godani, who was, uh, yes. you know, yeah, who directed. Yes. So that was <laughs> the two of us. That was our, our breakout moment. And it was completely experimental. We didn't know what to expect. And I, we wore our sneakers for that. It was like, improvising for this section, our socks over our sneakers, kind of sliding and bouncing off the walls and creating our own rhythms. And then the next section, I remember he had me watch this uh, Quentin Tarantino film. I had to play one of these shamans from this Quentin Tarantino film <laughs> and, and, and paint my face green and, you know, and say this chant. And it's like, that was the next moment in the same piece. And I just went with it. And that became the most beautiful opening up the limitlessness of my artistry with Bill. And he was just fearless in that respect. And that is astonishing, Francesca, isn't it? Because a lot of dancers will talk about being required to be interpreters, but not necessarily mm. to be collaborators or co-creators yes. in that way. You said it. That's right. I don't think I would be a choreographer today if I hadn't worked with Bill. I remember we were working on a, a project and I was given an opportunity one summer. And this was also just shows you another mensch, I will say, um, another, another <laughs> person who was very, also created a very loose model for us as dancers. We were able to go away and do projects and come back to the company who's one of the first companies to do that. So the Holland Dance Festival reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to choreograph my first full evening 
work. And it was while I was still in the company, Bill gave me a leave of absence. I came back after that choreographing my first full evening and resumed all of my roles and <laughs> continued working. You know, I, of course, you were afraid, okay, somebody's going to replace me, but it was never like that with him. And that loyalty and the, those deep relationships, I am really enjoying setting that foundation with Ailey too as well, becoming closer to the dancers this second year and really providing this sense of support and collaboration so that their voices, like mine, they feel empowered and they know that their offerings are really valued. And one of the things I love about your career is that even when you were dancing, you were also choreographing, you were also making music, you were working with fashion designers, you were exploring theatre, you were doing Broadway. Was there always a sort of an itch for different ways of expressing yourself that no one form could contain? Absolutely. You know what's very interesting? I think I really learned working with Bill and also probably with the seedlings from Alvin that it's all so much deeper than the language. I think ultimately, and the older I get, the more it's about following my intuition and my heart. And I feel that the people that I've ended up working with and the message, what they're saying artistically or what their mission is in terms of the work that we're putting out there has become what draws me to the work. And it doesn't matter whether it is through song or whether it is through dance or whether it is through multimedia work or whether it is right that the depth of expression and the profound message of humanistic message that is foundational to the work is the thing that I'm compelled to. And I think that's become clearer as I've gotten older. I have now my creative collaborators. I just finished another work with... Carrie Mae Weems, a visual artist, and Nick Cave, another visual artist, and Nona Hendricks. And those three have become my inspiration and collaboration. And social justice is really a part of their work. Same with Robert Battle. I will say that his work, I think about Unfold and another piece that we're doing, Alleluia, he loves classical music. And for him as an African-American man to see his African-American idioms, this hybridity with the classical music for me is exactly who I am too, with all this classical training. And I think for our generation, that hybridity and that integration of our influences and even being exposed, he went to Juilliard, I was in ballet, you know, to these other maybe Eurocentric rooms, languages have become part of our culture now. And I think that's so interesting to see and witness that evolution. Bill introduced me to that limitlessness. He had me singing in productions and had me acting in productions and had me dancing on point in productions. So I think that really opened up a fearlessness within side of me. And this, for me, now I talk to these other artists, the common denominator is our human story. I think I really learned that from my acting work, that intention and human story at the root of the work is really what human beings connect to, what they can relate to, these personal stories. And for me, that has become consistent and the languages have become more fluid, if that makes sense. And one of the things that is 
fantastic about the fact you're now at the head of Ailey too is that you get a chance to pass on those lessons, all those things mm. you've been describing that you've accumulated over the years, you get to share those with a younger generation. Is that part of the appeal of that company? Oh my gosh, I cannot tell you. I think also in this second year. So I think my first year, I taught improvisation for maybe 20 years in the school and also choreographed in the Ailey School, I should say. And so I have quite a few members because most of our dancers come from the Ailey, actually all of our dancers are from the Ailey School there are quite a few that I had in my improvisation class that I noticed were also creative thinkers. So the dancers that compose Ailey 2 are also not only amazing technicians and deeply expressive, because that's also for me, that is indicative of the Ailey voice, but real creative thinkers. I have some, I can tell like a lot of the uh, dancers are really stimulated in the audition or whether it's been in my improvisation class by the fact that they can create in the moment. I created my first piece, a freedom series, created a first structured improvisation solo for a dancer in this piece called Skin with Brene Thomas. And I remember she really loved to improvise. And so I thought, okay, And this was really a a work that Robert felt in my first year, you know, he wanted, okay, let's create a a piece that really shows the new vision of Ailey too. So I thought, okay, well, structured improvisation is really a part of something I did with Frankfurt Ballet. So this solo skin, it's really, I just guided them in this structured improvisation with different themes. And we used it as a transformative tool through something she was going through personally. And it has become that for the other dancers. I think we have two more, Spencer Everett and Maggie Vanden Heuvel also dance that work. And it's just remarkable. So different what they all offer. So personal and so unique. And that's been really amazing to to bring that, that kind of structured improvisation to Ailey. Yeah. And you also then get to see them in three yeah. dimensions. you know, It's not oh. just, that's the dancer with the, the lovely jump, that's the one who does exactly. the tag. Exactly. <laughs> this is their mind. That's what yeah. Bill used to talk about when Bill also got to work with the Ailey 2 company because we do Enemy in the Figure, but it was so wonderful to hear him speak again. And he talked about not being afraid to reveal process, which is very different with the, the training I grew up with, which was really about mastering and perfecting moments, Right that you would rehearse something over and over again so it could really be perfect in certain ways. And to have those open moments that you don't know what's going to come out, that it's almost this intuitive voice, but then you have to really also think choreographically because it's got to also transition from the previous moment and have some authenticity behind it. It's a very challenging thing for a dancer to do but there are some that are just really exceptionally talented and also you can tell it just feeds them and and stimulates them as they're in the process Mm -hmm. one of the things that is also 
notable about this moment when you're taking on this new role is we're coming sort of staggering out of the pandemic, I guess, and out of lockdowns. And I know that teachers in all contexts, in schools, in dance schools, in universities, have been really noticing spikes of anxiety in their students, just how difficult it is to kind of start life again when you've lost a year or two. Is that something you've noticed? Is it? Oh my goodness, yes, oh. absolutely. You know, what's interesting about Ailey too, I took over, they had been on hiatus for 18 months and I could feel the residue of all of that anxiety. I mean, it really felt creating a safe space for them, you know, was really the primary initiative when we came back. And yeah, I still feel the resonance. I think between what was going on politically as well. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you yes. know, I mean, that's been a part, right? That yeah, of was course. A, a big part of not trusting what's going on and what the government is saying and what's happening, even in terms of race relations. I mean, it's been a lot to support this younger generation. And the, even to prove to them again, I think there's a little distrust in the older generation that they have. That's been also to kind of really prove my authentic support. It's been a journey for me to really have them feel grounded and safe in the space. But I think the second year we're really starting to, we're really starting to. Uh-huh. And I've, it's great the second year I've really started developing these deep relationships with the dancers, which has been really beautifully, wonderfully enriching. And you can relax too. You've survived yes, the first I year. Yes, I can relax a little bit. Yes, and be myself. I think yes. Sylvia Waters talked to me. I remember I had a, who used to directed the Ailey Second Company for 38 seasons, believe sure. it or not. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's she's the original. <laughs> so I had one of my, my first conversations. We went out to lunch and she basically said, you have to share what you love, especially in the programming with people. And it's really wonderful to share my love of Forsyth approach and work and improvisation and contemporary, even ballet, you know, for me has been something to share and also preserving the legacy. You know, I have like that as well. I have such an affinity for I don't know what I would have done without growing up with Revelations and seeing Judith Jamison and Donna Wood. And so it is just the ultimate dream for me to preserve the Alvin Ailey works that really fortified me as a young person. And then these these new modalities and new ways of thinking. And for me, I talked about legacy shaping the future. And that for me was really important, you know, that we can look at the legacy and look at the origins and then also show a little glimpse or or start to penetrate the future. And we've talked all the way through, really, about a dance company as a family. Mm -hmm. Does this mean, Francesca, that you're now entering your matriarch era is this where we are i guess so i guess so i know i had some other some other people in the company we were referring to ourselves as the elders i guess this is it yes i know i have to say i just finally i graduated i got my master's my mfa and so it's been very deep during the pandemic. I wow. decided to go back to school as well. Oh, congratulations. So very, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, but it's been, I had to do a lot of writing and a lot of introspective work. And, yeah. 
you know, it really is. My gosh, I'm sitting down and sharing these stories now, like the elders do. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, exactly. So I think I'm happy. You know, it's so it's so fulfilling. It's so to also just see these young people just start to take flight in the world. That's just it's remarkable. It's a true gift on so many levels. Yeah, and to be there mm-hmm. at this moment, just as they're on the edge of the branch about to fly. Yes, that's right. That's right. I mean, it's really also very interesting because, you know, Ailey too is for two years. Uh, their tenure is with us for only two years. So it's a, it's very much like, you know, there's an intense pressure to the work that we're all doing together. We have to really dive in. Luckily, I think also too, we have some apprentices it kind of stretches out into three years of being exposed to the work at Ailey 2, which is great. So I have some apprentices that actually just had their first year that they already had absorbed a lot of the information as apprentices and knew the choreography. So it's now proving to be like a three-year process in a way. So which that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And we get to see the company here in the UK later on in the year. Yeah. That's <laughs> 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 yes, you do. It's wonderful. Very exciting. Oh, yes. that's going to be thrilling. What are you going to be like on tour? Are you going to be like the scary auntie kind of looking at your oh, watch, see, telling I, I everyone get, to be to, to say, bed? I like to think of myself as this warm nurturing, but I have, definitely have my other side. I have my Martha Graham. My, my, my mother's Martha Graham vicious, like the killer instinct in me as well. Because, you know, the reality is Ailey for me, Although there was this very nurturing environment, there's a reality that it has to be rooted in excellence, especially for people of color. So there is this standard that, you know, we just have to achieve. And honestly, even when I talk to you now, I thrive off of that. I loved, like, I'm a little bit of a competitive person. So <laughs> I, I know I really loved being success and being yeah. excellent, you know, for me. It was also very much connected to social justice and recognizing the more excellent we are, the more impact that we're making in the world. And I think that is like to understand the roots of why the excellence is necessary at Ailey in that respect that we're making a difference. I can't tell you how incredibly moving it is to do. We do a lot of outreach and we go into these underrepresented neighborhoods and we share classes with these young students and for them to see dancers diverse from all different cultures doing revelations and doing Alvin Ailey's work and Robert Battle's work and even my work now and other choreographers, Andrea Miller, you know, from Galim Dance. It's just amazing to see these light bulbs go on and to know that we're making an impact. We got our first letters last week, our company manager, Sumaya Jackson, brought these letters into the studio. And there were these kids that wrote to the dancers saying, Maya, it was so beautiful seeing you in Revelations. Thank you. I hope I can be like you someday. Wow. And Patrick, you're my favorite dancer. You take <laughs> these risks on stage. I mean, and for the dancers to receive these letters from these children, yeah, to know that they made a direct impact on these children 
you know, is just really profound. And that's what you and I were talking about, the addiction, the love addiction that yeah. is, <laughs> you know, integral and integrated and woven into the fabric of ALA is those are the moments that we live for. Francesca, it has been such a delight, but I can't let you go without the final question, which is, Francesca, why does dance matter to you? Why does dance matter to me? For me, dance is a vehicle for for expression. It's also very much rooted in my ancestry, which I feel is something that grounds me and connects me to my purpose as a human in this lifetime. Dance for me is a gathering. It's community. For me, it really is just remarkable how dance brings people together and has turned into a place where um, I not only dance with these people, but I, I see them develop. I see them grow personally, spiritually, emotionally. So that is really inspirational to me as an artist that I have that with my community. Dance for me is also a chance to take risks and learn more about who I am as a person and maybe even lean into these crevices and these places that I'm afraid to in my life. That dance also gives me the time to explore those other sides of myself with a a sense of nurturing and love around what I do. And dance for me now definitely has become my home. So yeah, that's, I started in dance and and here I am. Francesca, thank you so much for your generosity of thoughts and ideas and feelings. It's just been really a treat to hang on to your coattails and follow you through this conversation. Thank you so much. Full of thought, full of feeling, Francesca gives inspiring conversation. If our chat sparked your ideas and emotions, do let me know. I'm at Mr David Jays on Twitter. The RAD is at RAD Headquarters. Tell us who else we should pester to come onto the podcast. There are also links to Ailey 2 and their upcoming tour of the UK in our show notes, and of course to the RAD's work. And we'd be thrilled if you could subscribe, like or review the podcast so that we find other people who might enjoy Why Dance Matters. Our guest today was Francesca Harper. Why Dance Matters is made by the RAD team of Neve Carey Furness and Katie Hagen, and our artwork is by Bex Glendinning. And I always enjoy these credits bring us full circle with our producer, Sarah Miles. I'm David Jays. Take care. See you soon.